stand and do the started not to entitle the message this morning what I entitled it. It's entitled It's Not Good for Man to Be Alone. Coming from the book of Genesis. And maybe it was a timely title because Deacon was saying this morning that he was praying and feeling so alone or whatever. It's not good for a Christian to feel alone. Those of us that have read God's word know that we're never alone. Because he said he would be with us and he wouldn't leave us and he wouldn't forsake us. And then he gave us of his spirit to dwell with us and within us. Uh, This morning, scripture text comes from Isaiah 58, 9. And we know all scripture is given, Lord God. It's given to us, Lord God, and it helps strengthen us and be marrow for our bones. And if we read that scripture, look at it and examine it and let it go home to the hearts of our ears, we realize that we're not alone. And if there's loneliness in our lives, we brought that loneliness about. Adam and Eve in the garden brought their loneliness about. And there's a reconciliation that had been made for Jesus Christ. There's a reconciliation that has made been made by Jesus Christ and reconcile us all back to God, that we would be one with him and that he would fulfill our joy and that we would have joy in Christ, that we would have joy in God and joy and peace that the world can't take away, that situations and people, nothing can take that away. I was discussing about someone that had lost their wife or whatever, but if they're they're truly a Christian, they know sometimes that's a relief of suffering, a passage to open up the door and that they're not alone and they're with the Lord. They're just sleeping in the Lord and they've fought their fight. And we today fight our fight, but we're on a battlefield and we are in a battle in this earth is the battlefield. And we know we're just sojourners here, that we're just sojourners here, a pilgrim in a land in which we're ambassadors, we've been made ambassadors for Christ, and we fighting a battle and we are lights in the world. And we should let our light so shine that men would see that light and that we would be examples and that people would want to understand and know what causes us to have such a hope? What causes us to be able to smile in the face of adversity? What that doesn't take away our joy, that peace that God had given us or whatever? They would inquire of that. And that's why the, the apologetics come in. They'll ask us of the hope that lies within us, a defense of the way we feel and why we feel as though we feel. Three, the scripture text comes from Isaiah, the 58th chapter in the ninth verse. And it says, Then shall thy call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the fang, and the speaking of vanity. We should thank God thoughts after him. Our thought life has been broken away. First point is our thoughts are not like God's thoughts and our ways are not like God's ways because we went astray. We got away from God. It it was because 
Look at it, it says, if thou would put away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking of vanity. We know Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and they were pointing and blaming one another, and all of them were supposedly holier than the other, that they didn't bring forth the situation they're in. They needed some brokenness to realize the condition they were in. They put themselves in that condition. Adam was created by God, made by God, in the image and likeness of God. Eve was taken from the rib of Adam, and so she shared in that communion, and God was with them there in that garden. Satan was also there. They fell for the promises and what Satan was telling them, and that they would be as gods and be like gods, and they fell for those things. And by falling for those things, Something happened in that garden. Disobedience came about. Disobedience came about. Pride came about. Uh, They decided that they wanted to be God, as God. That broke away communion from God because God had told Adam the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. That broke communion from at that moment. They didn't realize the moment they disobeyed God. When we disobey God and walk contrary to God, we can't walk with God because how can two walk together unless they agree? God's not going in darkness with us. God's going to stay in the light. Now, we can go in darkness ourselves in which that's what we do when we disobey God. So we must follow his instructions. And he had instructed Adam what to do and what not to do. God instructs us what to do and what not to do. And we see from the reading scripture that it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You hiding from someone that was always there. God was always there. God's always with us. That's what Jesus Christ says. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Now we walked away from God. And we had gotten to a point that we couldn't call on God. We were hiding from God. We thought we were hiding from God. And God saw our condition. And what had happened, what caused us to separate from God. And to feel that loneliness. Because apparently God would come and converse with Adam all the time. In the cool of the evening, he was used to conversing and talking with God. They named the animals together. He allowed Adam to do all of those things. And he has said it's not good for man to be alone. Now, we see that he wasn't alone, alone in a scriptural, in a spiritual sense, that God was with him and he had that communion with God and God had instructed him and that, that's what we need to have back. That communion with Jesus Christ as our head. Man needs Jesus Christ as his head. Whether his wife or, or his singleness or whatever, he needs God as his head and not himself as his head. Not as Satan as his head. He needs God as his head. And Jesus Christ united us back into that because our thoughts are not like God's thoughts. So there's a transformation that needs to take place in man to where he has that mind of God. 
the desires of God. All of his desires has to be put away. They have to die. You have to deny himself of all the pleasures and things. I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, you might have thought I wasn't listening or whatever during the opening scripture that you read there in the book of Hebrews. It was the 13th chapter of Hebrews. And as you read there in that 13th chapter of Hebrews, in that 13th chapter as you was reading from the 12th verse. Let's listen at that. It says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. With his own blood. The blood that he shed, the blood that the determinate counsel of God that he allowed wicked men to take and murder his own son. We partake of that blood this morning. We remember what happened when we come to the table, but that was the blood that was shed for us. That suffering he went through, we need to go, we'll go through that suffering in life. I don't know what it would be. Would it be the loss of a spouse, of a job, of a family? Or what it would be a desertion of, of, of a dissolution of a family or something, all kinds of calamity, but it must be Christ's sake. The suffering there, it's not from our mistakes. It's not from our pleasure or something that we derive. But it says, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, a reproach that was a sacrificial reproach, one that had given himself for others. He had given himself for us. He laid down his life for us. We must be willing to lay down our lives for one another. For the cause of Christ in this battle, we, he said, for therefore there is no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Not here on earth, not this world, not the things of this world. We have to abandon them. We're looking for his kingdom come. We're looking by faith for that city. I told you we were sojourning here on earth. So this is not our home. We're looking for a new Jerusalem a heavenly Jerusalem to come down from him. Yes. It says, For by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that he is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls, and they must give account that they do it with joy and not with grief, for it is not for it is profitable unto you. Pray for us. Pray for us. Now, there he says, with the sacrifice of praise, and, and that's one thing that we don't realize in communicating with God. We have to have that, and we talked about that a few sermons and Bible studies ago, about the praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto God, and we must have prayers of thanksgiving. How many of our prayers are prayers of thanksgiving? I printed out some Bible verses last night, 37 to 47 different verses of praises and thanksgiving to God for what He had done. Did we wake up this morning and thanking God for waking us up? in our right mind, with our strength and health, that He gave us another day. And for what He had done for us, are we doing that? Uh, that's the way that we are looking and walking in Christ. That's what we should be doing. That's what all of us are dedicated to doing, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice unto Him. 
Those are the lights that we should be doing. There's all types of prayers and not just prayers of the gimme. Lord, do this for me. Heal my soul. Heal my wife. Heal my friends. Heal this person and do this. I need a car. I need this. And always asking God for something. You get weary of a person that every time you see them, the first thing they do is they're asking you for something. They don't say just thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a good parent. Thank you for not leaving and running away on me. Thank you for being responsible. God wants his will done in every aspect of our lives, and he wants our prayers to be according to his will, not according to our wants and our desires. And we should offer up prayers of thanksgiving to God. Come before him with praise and thanksgiving, adoration of who he is and what he is and what he's done for us. I'm not saying that he didn't say acts, but we should also look at God in a spiritual sense that we need that oneness of unity with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and that we wouldn't be alone. Because we can't say our spouse and our family or whatever because all of us are one in Christ Jesus. It shall be no marriage and given in marriage. We would all be brethren in the Lord. We'll be a family. We'll have many a brother that won't be any loneliness there. When we ask for things according to his will, our request stands the best chance of being answered positively. Because Jesus Christ said, whatever you need, ask in my name. Ask saying this is for his kingdom. This is for the benefit of the kingdom. I'm asking for Jesus' name. I'm asking with that authority and that power. I come to the Father asking him. In effect, God wants his thoughts coming back. That's the way he fixed this, that we would requisition him and ask of him for the things to be done. In other words, we study his word and we speak his word back to him. Those are his thoughts. Those are his desires. And if we could walk in an obedient way, John says, we know we have the petition that we ask of him because we do his will. We keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous on us. We can do that with God acts of us because it's become part of our nature because we're at one with God. And we want to see those things that God wants. Our thoughts are what God's thinking. That's our desires. And he said, we'll have the desire that we ask of him. But if we are asking to consuming up on our own, <coughs> upon our own lust, upon our own desire, we asking amiss. We asking for a selfish means, a selfish motivation. Well, I just want to win the big, I want to win the lottery big. I want to make a lot of money so I can help people and feed the needy and do all these things. Maybe that you want to have a prideful way or you want to ease your life or you want to see that you're doing it. God doesn't require that of you to please him. He asks you to walk pleasing unto him. Not fulfilling your desires because there'll be those that cast out devils and feed the needy and do all these other things. He'll say he never knew them. He wants your body as a living sacrifice. He wants you to present your body to him and say, here I am, Lord. Let me know. Lead and guide me by your spirit. Uh, Come to James, the fifth chapter of James, the 15th through the 16th verse about that prayer of faith. 
and says, as uh, acts and the prayer of faith is any sick among you, he must call for the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church, and they'll pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick. And if he, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's a strange. They apply that prayer to physical. And we know God, you know, a lot of our prayers are manifested in the material or physical world. It's John 3rd chapter. He wants us to prosper, to be in health. He wants us walking in a way that is pleasing unto him. But I've heard that sermon, uh, different sermons and teachings on those verses and I'm toward the camp that's leaning in the position that that may not be a, a physical prayer in essence because we know the New Testament is a spiritual people, to not to the carnal man, but the spiritual man. Yes. And this yeah. prayer of faith to heal the sick, that this person is spiritually sick. You see, when God left Adam in the garden and God left off communicating, <clears throat> he put Adam out of the garden and Adam didn't have access to God. He couldn't go before the throne of grace. He was cut off from God. Now, he had physical health. He lived to some 900 years, but spiritually cut off from God. He was sick. You know, we get cut off from the church and we get cut off from the word of God. We become sick. David says, heal the bones that you had broken. And if you look at that Psalm, 51st Psalm, it wasn't David had broke a bone. David wasn't hurt or whatever, but his spirit was down. Have your spirit been wounded? You was talking about this morning that you were so feeling so alone and feeling so bad. That was a spiritual sickness. That was spiritual depression. And I was worried about that the other day when we came to Bible study and we were talking about changing this and changing that. And I say, something's wrong here. You see, those demons of oppression, Satan comes to get you, comes against you and make you feel all alone. Makes you feel in despair and depressed. That spiritual sickness is, if you want to see anything, a broken wheel, a, a broken spirit. You can die of a broken spirit. Yes. You see that wheel and desire. You see the man that came to Jesus and Paul seen this man that had the faith to be healed and the woman came to Jesus and she was saying, if I couldn't just touch the heel of his garment, she had been sick 38 years, all of this the issue of blood or whatever, but her faith and hope, her will wasn't broken, and she reached up and touched to him if it's coming. But this man, he came to Jesus and he said, my son is ill and your disciples, they couldn't do anything for him. Couldn't do anything for him. And I asked him to cast him out. The Lord says, ye of little faith, how long I got to put up with you? How long do I have to endure this? Bring your son to me and Jesus cast the demon out and they asked, they said, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? He says, this kind only go it out by prayer and fasting. You can't be just came from tailgate parties and stuffing yourself. You got to deny self 
You got to be strengthened as he was strengthened 40 days in the wilderness. You can't just come down on your own and like these tent revivals and throwing hands and laying hands and doing all this. You got to been been talking with the man. You got to been been talking with Jesus Christ, not man. I don't mean talking with the man. Defiling God is just a man, but he was a man just as you was. Jesus Christ prayed he would walk up as a man each morning and go pray to God. Do you get up and pray to God? Do you sacrifice your morning time? your afternoon time and your nighttime time as a man and talk with God. See, Adam wasn't talking with God in the garden. He was talking with the devil and he broke communion with God. God was there. When he says, cease not to pray, we should be praying all times, at all times, in every situation, call on the God. When Hezekiah was in trouble and him and Ahab had went out, they're talking about fighting. He prayed to God when he got in trouble. He says, here comes the Assyrian army. Here comes this man. He's going to destroy us. He's coming. He destroyed all of these things. And what God did, God turned him around. He wasn't able to shoot an arrow at him. He wasn't able to shoot one arrow at him. When one of God's kings was in battle, And they came after and he cried out to God. See, sometimes we have to cry out to God in an emotional burst because we are hurt. And it's at that time, right now I'm feeling this pain. Right now I'm feeling this hurt. The devil has shot a firing dart at me and I need the whole armor of God up on me. That's why in the morning we have to get there and talk with God and ask him to put the whole armor on us. We're going into battle that day. We don't know the devil might shoot from cover. He's He has snipers out there. Sometime it may be betrayal from a spouse. Joe's wife told him, won't you curse God and die? Sometime it may be from an enemy. But in the battle, you have to watch it. He says, be sober and be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil goes about as a roaring lion. That lion will pounce on you at any time and from any place. But sometimes he just fiercely scare you to death. I used to be sitting there sometime playing dominoes with my brother and see them playing dominoes and they hollering and slamming down dominoes. A lot of that's to intimidate you and get your thoughts off track. But you can't let nobody stop you from thinking and keeping your plan going on. You have to steady be counting and watching because they may not have what they think you think that they have and they may be trying to get you off track and make you do something, make you make a mistake. But you have to be in talk with God yourself. You can't make a mistake. You have to be walking according to his will and according to his way. Joshua made a mistake. He was in the flesh and he felt sorry for the Jebunites according to how they looked. They looked at poor pathetic and they looked like their clothes was worn and tattered and everything. But we can't judge from the outward man. They didn't ask God, what shall we do? And they went into a league and into a covenant with them. And when they made that covenant with them, they found out that the people was from right next door. They had violated what God had told them to do. In prayer and supplication, we should ask God for just the smallest things, what to do in any situation. No, no, No situation is too small to ask God. Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. I tried to think it over when you asked me about that, and I, I said, Lord God, 
Help me, Lord. Help me because sometimes we make decisions that we may regret we shouldn't make. So it causes us to, to be weak, to be sickly. And that's when he said, call for the elders of the church that they may pray for him and anoint him with oil. And you see, that anointing with oil, that, that's a spiritual, it's a sign of a spiritual transfer, the refreshing of oil being poured in to restore us yes. spiritually. Now, it may be manifest in the physical. We may recover. We may be healed. But all physical diseases and ailments and things are not healed in this life. You remember Paul left Trifomus sick and Epaphroditus and different people were sick at different times. And so the, don't, don't listen at the word of faith people or some people and say that because you have some ailment or something's wrong with you. That you 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 lacking in in faith, and that God has this for you because no, that's part of His will being done. That's the way He had it purposed. I ask you about your cousin's age, and ask you about certain things about him because maybe that wasn't for them to call for the elders of the church to come and anoint her with oil and pray over because life was taking its natural course. We can't retrieve all illnesses and everything. Death is not natural, and that's part of this curse of this world. God's going to remove that curse. He did remove it in Jesus Christ. But we have to see that as being in the material world. And so that's why you can't see elders and people going through the hospital and praying for people and anointing them and casting out this and healing everybody because we're we taking God's scripture out of his context. He was talking about spiritual healing. Yes, that's it. A, a spiritual weakness. Doesn't it make you feel better when the elders of the church, the older people come and pray for you and, come to your house and maybe a, a come you come to the altar or something and they anoint you with oil and pray over you or whatever. And that's why he says, see, the oil that we pray over and anoint people with a lot of times, even the younger people, it says exhorting one another. See, just words of comfort, words of exhortation sometimes heals the spirit if we fellowship with one another. So that's the prayer life, and we should be in communication with God. And listen at this, the Lord's Supper, Paul came to instruct them on how to take the Lord's Supper. He says, for I received from the Lord himself the instructions which I, I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread and gave thanks and broke it. Notice that the giving of thanks is always in order. And yes. I tell you, our prayer should be those of thanksgiving and praise. And he says in the same way, he took the cup and says, this is my cup in the new covenant. It is my blood. Do this as often you remember it. Yes. He says, though, listen to this. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body of the Lord. I was telling one of our members, I kept asking him, say, you've been praying? You've been listening at preaching or 
you know, I, I know some of the preaching that we have at the church or whatever, and I asked them, I said, have you had this on a station or something where she's listening to our church preaching? Uh, I, you know, I can't give account for any church. I don't tell you not to listen at other ministers or whatever, but just listen at, you know, different things on television. That's not going to help you unless it's the word of God. That's what strengthens you, the word of God. When we saying praying for us and praying for the church and praying for yourself, that's this scripture here. Before you take communion, he says, let a man examine himself. Yeah. See, because this communion can make you physically and spiritually sicker than you are. He says in an unworthy manner. So that's why we have to continually praying and examining ourselves coming up to that week. That's a lot of downfall in my life. That's a lot of while I hadn't been strong as I should have been. Yes. We have to learn. And as we progressively go along in the Lord, we lay aside those weights and seeing those things that's been hindering us from running this race. Yes. Yes. He says, let a man prayerfully, prayerfully get that. But a person must prayerfully examine himself and his relationship to Christ. And only when he has done so, then he eat and drink of the cup. Only after prayerfully examine. For anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. Realize that this man, this man, God's son, Amen. he came down here and was beaten to a bloody pulp that they put thorns on his head. And that they hung him on a cross and he bled for you. Oh, you can reverence that. That's a man that did that for you. How about a man in this room, somebody that you seen that then took all this for you, and then you just not be thankful? Are you thankful for what people do for you? Thankful for are you a grat grat show gratitude? That's one of the signs of the age that people are unthankful ungrateful for what you do for you don't want to do anything for somebody that's unthankful or ungrateful that despise or think lightly of it so it says for anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence eats and drinks judgment upon himself if he does not recognize the body of christ that careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep in death. He says, that's the reason. Now we come back to James. We find out why you're sick. We find out why many of us are passing away. Yes, yes. It's because of improper reverence of God. Improper carefulness of our time. You see, because like I said, anybody can pray. You don't have to be an athlete to pray. You know, you, you can be a quadriplegic and pray. Yes. You could be in the wheelchair. I, I miss a lot of the prayers of Sister Harris. She, you know, she was big on prayer. She would always talk about prayer. I remember Mother Coleman, she was one that always talked about prayer. If you don't have the saints of God talking about prayer, if we're not praying in here, if the older people, I don't care what condition you're in, if you're not praying for the church, if you're not praying for the people in the church, if you're not mourning and sighing for what's going on in the world, you lack it in God's area. You need to ask God to strengthen you, to give you that inspiration 
to get back connected to him. That's one thing you can pray. You don't have to be have tons of money. You don't have to be able to paint the sand signs, mow the grass, do anything else. You don't have to get out and go witness and be a good orator, but you can pray. He says, prayers of thanksgiving. In Psalms, it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good, with good things. Let's come before him with thanks. Let's shout joys. So when you think about prayer, do you think about praise and giving him thanks? Or do you think of, give me, I need this. And Lord, give me this. And help me with this, Lord God. And I've got a long list here. See, because prayer helps set up the battle plan. We're in a battle, I tell you. And we have to have a battle plan, and the battle is the Lord. So if he's our general, we should use his plan, not our plan. A lot of us have our own way. (laughs) But when our ways please the Lord, that's what we're looking for. During his mission here on earth with the disciples, Jesus had taught them about the Father and his purposes, and he told them, he says, I don't pray for the world. I pray for y'all, and I pray that I'm leaving y'all in the world and that my Father would keep you from the evil in the world. But he didn't pray for the world. Now, we need to know how to pray because there are prayer imprecations of bringing curses down upon the world, bringing curses upon your enemy. We need to use those sometimes. We need to ask God to destroy this person, his family, and everybody connected to him. Those were the prayers of David, the prayers of imprecation. But see, the saints of God don't understand that. That's why Jesus said, I have many things to tell you, but you're not able to receive it now. You, yeah, like a kid with a toy. You go out there playing and saying these things. And How many people we see in the church playing with tongues and prayers and playing with God? And going out and rebuking somebody in Jesus' name and all of these things. You don't know anything about religion. You hadn't been instructed. You hadn't been taught. Sit down till you learn and understand something. Don't go behind the pulpit and try to teach others. He said, be not many teachers, many masters. For we have received the greatest of condemnation. That's why I say, now I tell you, you can listen at preachers or teachers, but I can't give accounting for what they're saying. Now you have to be able to... Be careful because there are a lot of wolves out there in oh, sheep's yeah. clothes. And oh, yeah. the reason wolves are in sheep's clothes, they didn't have to skin some sheep to get those clothing, didn't they? Yeah. The only way you can wear a sheepskin suit or coat is to beat and kill the sheep. Yeah. There are a lot of sheep that get out of line or whatever that then lost their cold covering. That's what the lions do. You notice that they get the ones that are on the fringes of the herd. They get the weak ones, the weak ones left behind. That's why God told Moses and them, told Saul to go in and destroy the Amalekites because the Amalekites had a habit of attacking the weak and the infirm. And God says that those that oppress the people, those that oppress the orphans and the widows, and those that oppress those that are elderly and those that do all these things, that's where those prayers come in. That's why I say when you warring and bombing and killing the innocent, what Israel is doing over there now, we have to put that in God's hand because God doesn't call for this. This is man's desire. He said, where the wars come from. 
They come from within your members. God says, thou shalt not kill. You shouldn't go around here killing people and fighting and destroying. That's not the son of God. We would be transgressing God's word. God seeks men to turn to him for transformation. We have to be changed. You remember I told you, our mind has to become one with him. We have to be of the same mind Jesus Christ was. There's a transformation that we taught on Wednesday night that has to take place. Romans 12 and 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, that is, with any of its superficial values and customs, and, but be transformed and progressively changed. Notice that word progressively changed. And I'm going to look at that because that's what I say. You mature in the Lord. And over the years, I've progressed. I've grown a good bit. My brother Jerry had told me one time that he noticed something was changing about me or whatever. And just those words from him have stood in my mind very profoundly to this day. It stood in my mind very profoundly when Gotro came to me one day at Parish Lumber some 40 years ago and told me, says, that Satan has a desire to sift you as wheat, but when you come around that he had prayed for me when I come around, strengthen the brother. That's what we have to do. Go around with God's words and God's thoughts, speaking them to strengthen the hands of other believers, strengthen the hands of our brothers and sisters. Yes. Speaking the word of God. He says, and but be transformed and changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. That is, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, what the will of God is and that which is good and perfect and acceptable in his plan and his purpose. That's what I say. We have to find his plans and his purposes. And as a good soldier on the field, as they out there fighting on the field, a soldier out there running around on the field, he must have to keep getting in contact with headquarters and says, we are here. We are at this site right here. We in this quadrant and the enemy has us nailed down and we need you to send napalm bombs. We need you to send in and destroy the enemy. And they call in their position or whatever in those headquarters. They send those drones in. They send those strikes in and it kills the enemy because the enemy has us surrounded. We can't do anything. It's his battle. So we have to stay in contact with God. And when somebody do you something, you call God and says, God, He's lying on me. God, he's stealing from me. God, they're laying traps for me. The enemy has me down, and he's trying to take advantage of me. You see, God sees in secret. You can't hide from God. God's going to take care of your enemy. God says, vengeance is mine. I'll pay him. I'll pay him back. Payday is coming. You watching now. Payday is coming. You can do me what you want to do me, but you're going to have an answer to the Lord. It's not my battle. I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just a messenger, just delivering the message, and I'm trying to fulfill God's purpose and God's plan and God's will. That's why I'm down here. I, I, I know why I'm down here. Each day, I ask God. As I wake up in the morning, I go to him and say, Lord, thank you for waking me this morning. Thank you, Lord God, for giving me strength and health. But I ask you to put the whole arm of God up on me. I go through Ephesians 6, the 10th chapter through the 17th verse. I ask him to put the whole armor of God upon me. 
I ask him, Lord God, help me. But then I say, Lord, help me. It says, so that we may stand against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. God could see him coming. We can't see him coming always. We fight against powers and principalities. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That is contending only with physical opponents. Now, Satan may come through man. He may come through physical opponents. And that's how he works because the arm of God works through the enemy. The sword of the Lord is the enemy. God uses our enemy to, to punish us now. Don't get me wrong. It's, he uses the enemy to punish us. When Senator Cherub came through Hezekiah, which I was just talking about, it was God that sent a plague. It was He sent an angel of the Lord to kill 180-some thousand of Senator Cherub's men. Yes. Now, that's a whole other thing that would take us a long time. But don't listen at a lot of the older preachings and teachings on that. The messenger of God could be just like a year or two ago when COVID came through. I think that was a strong messenger or angel of God yes. that's sent to open the eyes of a plenty, a good deal of us. That angel of God destroyed four or five times more than the angel of God did that did destroy Senator Cherub's men. That angel of God destroyed worldwide. But it didn't still give men the respect for God that he should have. That's why he says, we're, we're getting close to the time. We're getting close to the time. He says, our flesh, we're not contending with flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this present darkness of this world, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We put on the whole armor of God to stand so we need God to dress us up. And we've went over that armor of God before. And I don't want to take up your time telling you about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and all of that equipment. He says, but above all, lift up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flame and arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith. That shield of faith is connected, you see, because prayer is the essence of faith. If, if you didn't have faith in God, what would you be praying to? You see, you praying to uh, omniscient, uh, all-powerful, all-seeing God, and the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, has appeared. And in faith, we pray that Jesus has done these things and open up the throne of grace where we could boldly go before the throne of God and petition the Father in Jesus' name. That's why I say all we do, we do in Jesus' name through faith. He says, in anything you ask the Father in my name, that he'll do. Yes. Yes. So you are in there fighting the battle and you using up all the bullets you can or whatever. You ask for more ammo. We, we need some more ammo. We need some more protection. Yep. We need you to keep feeding us. And he sends his shepherds to feed his flock and to strengthen them. And that's why when they get wounded, they get sick. They make mistakes and he come in and he, he pulls in the oil of healing. Mm -hmm. The prayers of incense that those that heal the prayer of faith, he says, heal the sick. Mm -hmm. I told you it was connected by faith. That shield of faith Connected with the prayer of faith. That's why he says you have lived faith. And he says, 
This kind going out, not but by prayer and fasting. So you calling in the heavy, heavy guns here. Prayer and fasting is not for everybody. Everybody can't use this weapon. That's why he says why your disciples couldn't do this. This is not just for, this has come out by exercise of use. The word of God, the strengthening the word of God. Now notice that prayer is not a part of the armor. Prayer is not a part of the armor now. Listen at verse 18 of the 6th chapter of Ephesians. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests. In other words, you ask God exactly what he wants him to do. Don't go saying, heal everybody in the hospital. Heal. No, you tell me exactly. See, sometimes when people pray, their prayer is like scatter shots. You didn't heard a bird shot. It just scatters all over the place. And it doesn't really hit a wound. It may hit something, but the bird may just fly away or something. Only a few pellets hit him or whatever. But in prayer, sometimes you have to break out the big guns. Break out the double odd. The double odd buckshot. You want to shoot the heavy load so when it hit him, it, it take him out. It says, with all prayer at all times in every occasion, in every season. When I told you about prayer. You see, Adam should have said, Lord, here's this serpent, and he didn't already trick my wife. You're in trouble, Eve. I told you what God had said, and that's, that's what I do. As a preacher, as a, a member, what y'all do, if you deliver the word, it says, I've appointed you as a watchman. Now, you warn them. You tell them. If you tell your children and they don't listen, you don't have to crawl, crawl over and die because they die, and they didn't cross God. You warn them. He says, if you warn them, the blood is on their own hands. If I warn y'all and tell you, you should be praying, you should be doing these things, I didn't warn you, your blood ain't on my hands. He says, on every occasion in the Spirit, and with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition that is interceding for all God's people. And I tell you, we should be praying at all times. And I ask all of y'all to pray for me. I ask everybody to keep me in your prayer. That I may be able to speak the word of God boldly. I may keep on preaching and teaching God's word. See, so we're not alone. We have to see that God is here. God is with us and he had never left us. It's not good for man to be alone. And Jesus said, I go away, but I'll send another comforter. I'll send a helper. This, he's not going to leave you. That's why he tells us sometimes when you're feeling like you're feeling last night, you say you got up out of the bed, you pray. He said, if you're feeling lonely, sing songs, sing hymns, read, read some psalms or something. He says, stir up the spirit. It's not gone. You have to stir it up. Maybe you have did something to quench Agree the spirit. You're not feeling the way you should be feeling. Maybe your conscience is convicting you. And maybe you need to come and confess your faults to one another. You may need to confess your faults to God. Don't come off up your prayer before God and you're not right with your brother. It says get right with your brother. And then you can come in up offering your offering a prayer and offerings to God. Yes, Lord. You know, there's punishment for disobedience. Now, that's why he says many sleep. I don't know if Ananias and Sapphira was saved, whether they went to heaven or not, but they, God shows us that children of God 
can transgress God with so much severity that God takes them out of this life. Elijah was worn. Elijah was battle-scarred. And he had killed the 450 prophets of Baal and of the groves. Jezebel had put him on the run and he had prayed to the Lord to take his life. And God seen his weary prophet there or whatever and he told him to go anoint Elisha. And he told him some things to do but he was no longer used by God. And God glorified Elijah by by translating Elijah. Sometimes God's prophets suffer or go through things, and that's why he left us his example that he suffered. He suffered at the hands of murderous men. So how you leave here is not necessarily meaning you're not a child of God. But you remember I told you you have to keep examining yourself to make sure you're in the faith, to make sure you're walking before God and prayerfully come before him and ask him to show you for 1 Corinthians in that same chapter that we were talking about of the communion table. He says, but if you carefully examine yourself before eating, you will not need to be judged and punished. Yet when we are judged and punished by the Lord, it is so that we will not be condemned with the rest of the world. So dear brothers, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, the communion service, wait for each other. Because some of these people, they would drink weird wine in those days or whatever. But some of these people were coming to the love feast just for the feast. And they were drinking and eating and were drunken and caring for their own selves. And he says, wait for one another. Take it in the right meaning, the right fashion. And communion is just not a fair to do, but it's a memorial of what Christ has done for us. We have to t- think of the solemnity of the occasion. Rejoice for he had did these things for us, but there's a limity in this occasion and that we wouldn't be judged. And sometimes, as Paul said about the brother in the book of Corinthians there, that he says that he turned him over to Satan for the destruction of the body to save the soul. This brother was committing fornication. He was sleeping with his father's wife which I assume was his stepmother. But this fellow, he repented. And Paul says to receive him after this repentance and turning. See, sometimes we have to turn our children. We have to turn our spouses. We have to turn people over to Satan. Satan have to punish them and make them say uncle. But sometimes God may have to take them out of this world. He shows that the disobedient children that were stoned to death. He showed that taking Job's children out of this world, sometimes God does vanquish us from this world. But our connection to God, he told Aaron to see that Aaron stopped not serving me or to go to complaining to Aaron to keep going lest I kill him. After he killed Aaron's two children, he says, tell Aaron to keep going. See, we're not alone that God's always with us and we serving God and there is a purpose and there is a plan and we need to 
keep the instruction. We need to stay in the will of God. Pray according to God's will because if it's not good to be alone and God had sent us a helper, he had sent a spirit that says that do be not grieved the spirit or whatever. Some of us may not be married. We may be willed. We may have any kind of different things in our lives, but the spirit is with you. The Spirit is with you. He has sent it to lead you and guide you in all truth. It will never leave you and forsake you. It's there with you. Yes. He's going to abide with you. Yes. And the last point is, he, don't, he says he don't have joy in people who quit or give up. Give up on the church. Give up on the Lord. Lord, you took my children a lot of people don't believe in the Lord after some catastrophe happened to them and says, I don't believe a good God would do this. I don't believe God would do that. A lot of followers of a lot of the celebrities, and I remember one famous talk show celebrity said that she didn't believe in God when God said he was a jealous God or some of the things God said that they stopped following God or whatever. One of the richest women in the world, but... We have to watch who we follow. Never give up on God. God hadn't given up on us. Luke, the 18th chapter, the first through the 21st verse, tells about the, you know, the woman that had persistent prayer. And he spoke a parable to this end that men ought to always pray and not faint. And he told about the judge and the widow in that city that kept coming before the judge and asking the judge to avenge her of her adversary. The judge did that after a while and says, especially men fainting. You know, we don't even use, men love to use the terminology that they passed out or something. Fainting sounds so feminine or whatever. And so we shouldn't give up. Men or women, we shouldn't give up. God has no pleasure in those of us that give up. He says, but we are not those that shrink back and are destroyed but those who have faith and persevere to the end. Hebrews 10, 32 through 39 says that they remember the days after being spiritually enlightened, you endured such a great conflict of suffering by being made a spectacle, spectacle and all of these things that happen unto us. And sometimes it takes away our joy or whatever. And it says, therefore, don't fling away your confidence in Jesus Christ just because you've lost something or something has happened to you, things not going right in your life, through that brokenness, God will show you secret things as he did in the book of Jeremiah. When all the destruction was going around in Judah, when all the destruction is going around in this city and things that have happened, God still tells us, as Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confined and hidden, which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. I'm, I'm going to show you those things. I reveal them unto you to strengthen you. Yes. I'll show you these things. Just call upon me. You're not alone in the middle of the night. Get up and call upon him. When you're feeling down and downtrodden, you're not alone. You can call the prayer tower. You can call the headquarters and get in touch. Tell him. And that's what he, how he designed it. He wants communication with us. He had sent his son to reestablish the lines of communication. That's why he died. 
to reconcile us, to redeem us, to put us back in a position that we can go to him and talk to him. Isn't it good to be able to go and see the person in person? To see Jesus. By faith, we see Jesus. By faith, we ask Jesus, the Father in Jesus' name. We we have confidence that the Father will answer. When we kneel down and says, Lord God, it's hard. Lord God, I spent all my money on this and it's still not acting right, Lord God. Lord God, this has happened in my family and they just don't understand me. My spouse don't understand me. This is happening. My health is failing me, Lord. I made another mistake, Father, and I'm just only you. <laughs> help me, Lord God, help me. <laughs> Oh, Father, I'm broken. I can't do it. Strengthen me. Help me. And he'll say, I see you. I see you despair. I see you hurt. I see you trying all you can. I hear you. And I see you in secret. My son, come unto me. Lord God, I ask you, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, as I walk down here in this pilgrim land, Lord God, I'm trying to do it the right way, the way you told me to do it, Lord God. I'm not trying to turn corners, Lord God, but help me, Lord. I can't see my way out. I just can't see the way out. I need you to show me the way. I'm lost. I'm lost, Father. Show me the way. And Lord Jesus, he'll come to us. And he'll say, here I am, son. He'll grab us by the hand. And he'll show us the direction. He'll show us the way out of the forest. He'll show us all the details. He can see the trees. He can guide us out of this big forest of this world. He says, are you not alone? I, I, I came here. Turn to the right. Turn to the left. He'll be a light unto our path. He'll be a lamp unto our feet. He comes to you in your darkest hour. He comes to you, Lord God, when the doctor didn't gave you some gleam hope, Lord God. You can barely see, but he said, I'll be eyes for you. I'll lead you and I'll guide you, Lord God. Oh, Father, I just want to thank you. In Jesus' name, I'm not alone. The reassurance, the confidence that we're not alone. Mother may forsake us. Father may forsake us. Wife, husband, children may forsake us. But God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It's not good that you should be alone. And I created you in my image and in my likeness. The father and the son said that they would come in and sup with you. He's knocking at your heart's door today. All you have to do is open up to him and allow him to come in and sup with us. Heavenly Father.